This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, something we have been talking about on the program, uh, I've been covering this, I think, as far back as January, and that is when we first started hearing from strata councils, hearing from people on those councils saying, hey, something is up with the insurance. We are getting estimates of our renewal being very higher, much higher than it has been in the past. In some cases, it was coming from buildings where there had been no claims. They were relatively new, just a couple of years old. If they could find insurance, that was. In one case, said the building, the broker, I believe, found 18 different companies that t- together were willing to insure the building. The deductible went from about $5,000 up to $150,000, and the insurance itself cost a whole lot more. So we've been talking a lot about strata corporations and the condominium market and how that has been negatively impacted in many cases. But what about the rental market? We're talking about rental buildings and rental housing, because a lot of those buildings in BC are older probably do have some claims. What are landlords saying about the issues with insurance and renewing insurance? Well, let's bring in David Hutniak, who is the CEO of Landlord BC. David, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for reaching out, Joe. Uh, Is this also having an impact on the rental market? Yeah, in terms of uh, purpose-built rental buildings, uh, absolutely. no, certainly not to the same scale as uh, the increases we're seeing on stratas or some of the stratas, uh, although that impacts you know, the uh, larger rental universe as well. But if we're talking purpose-built rental buildings, the traditional apartment buildings that you just referenced, you know, we, we were seeing sort of uh, incremental increases, you know, 10 15% for the last handful of years. And, and uh, what we're hearing from our members is... Uh, you know, thirty percent seems to be a pretty common number in terms of sort of average increases, and obviously it, it varies from there. So it's uh, definitely having an impact in addition to other costs, I might add. So it's a, kind of a double whammy. Uh, so what does a landlord do in that scenario if you're looking at a thirty percent increase in your insurance, but you still uh, have to abide by the rules as far as how much you can raise the rent? It's not as though you can pass that on. Not that that renters would want that, but how? Do, what does a, a landlord do then in that scenario? Sure. I mean, this is the thing. It's, it's, you know, we live in a rent control environment and we have, uh, you know, had some uh, uh, cutbacks in terms of the maximum allowable increase to CPI only. So it's hugely challenging in the sense that we can't pass that increased cost on. Um, And uh, so, you know, obviously as a landlord, then uh, with one of these buildings, you need to look at, you know, where else can you cut costs and, uh, and, uh, you know, the first thing that you probably will look at is, you know, perhaps you'll defer some, uh, additional investments that you were contemplating, uh, you know, push that old boiler a little out in a couple of years, etc. So, you know, these are hard decisions, but, uh, you know, those uh, those are the things that we're, uh, our sector is broadly looking at in terms of, again, those, those purpose-built rental buildings. And not to suggest people should be without insurance, but do rental buildings fall under the same jurisdiction of, because for strata councils, condominiums, they have to, by law, have insurance. Are rental buildings in that same scenario? Well, it's... It's not necessarily by law, but it's, it's I mean, clearly, you, you're not going to get financing uh, if you don't have insurance in your building. And obviously, from a pure risk management perspective, you would have, you know, huge liabilities, not just for the physical asset, but you've got, you know, your your tenants that uh, for whom you're providing the housing. So it's, insurance is 
clearly, you know, essential, and it's not just for the physical asset, it's liability insurance, etc. So, uh, you know, our sector, uh, certainly, like I said, compared to some of the horror stories we're hearing about uh, uh, condos, uh, stratas, and, and remember, I know uh, you know this, Joe, that uh, disproportionately, uh, you know, rental housing is provided by sort of that secondary market in British Columbia, and uh, condos are a key source of that rental housing. So landlords who are providing rental housing through stratas and, and condos, I mean, they're being hit particularly hard. Um, in terms of someone with a purpose-built rental building, in particular, you know, if they've had uh, have a sort of a, a number of buildings, sort of a portfolio, I mean, we've been working with our sector over the last handful of years in terms of really encouraging what we call risk, uh, risk management. So that's really looking at uh, your physical assets, you know, what can you do to mitigate uh, claims? And uh, because at the end, of the end of the day, that's what's, you know, a lot of what's driving this is that the insurers have had, uh, you know, from their perspective, excessive claims, uh, flood damage, et cetera. So our sector, we, we you know, where the buildings are professionally managed, et cetera. And so uh, we, you know, we try to try to manage that risk as much as possible. And that's why, you know, you're not going to be hearing about 300% increases in a, for a purpose-built rental building. But, but you know, 30% is a huge number and, and very, very harmful. And certainly when you add it down to increased property taxes, utilities, et cetera, it's just... It's a very challenging environment right now. Uh, absolutely. Is it different as well, though, when we're talking about somebody in a condominium scenario, and if it's the owner of a condominium and, and having a mortgage, you have to have insurance. Is it different when we're talking about a rental scenario where if somebody chooses not to and doesn't have insurance but causes damage to the building, does it leave the landlord then that the landlord not only is paying a higher cost for the insurance for the building, is then having to deal with a renter that is underinsured? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly in the context of our members, you know, we have a proprietary uh, tenancy agreement that they have access to. And in that form, uh, you know, where uh, the landlord is, is uh, asking the tenant uh, to secure um, tenant insurance. Now, the, the main issue there is actually more liability and contents protection versus, you know, uh, some coverage for, for the, the broader asset but uh, it's something that we're going to have to look at more carefully because basically, uh, you know, it's up to the individual landlord. It's it's uh, the it's a condition of the tenancy agreement. Uh, if the tenant chooses not to not to get, uh, you know, get that insurance, I think some landlords have perhaps not necessarily pursued that aggressively in the context of the tenancy agreement. But I think, you know, we're we're entering a, sort of a new a new era here, and with these costs really increasing. Uh, it's going to be an issue. And I certainly would say the smaller landlord in Estrada, you know, they should really pay much more attention to that. And what about the, the bigger buildings in that the companies and developers that have in the past been uh, going forward with these projects? Is this going to deter, do you think, uh, companies from doing that, knowing that the insurance cost is going to be one more added cost and, and a cost that could potentially keep going up every year? Well, sure. I mean, you know, it, it's, you know, it, there's a whole lot of factors that influence, A, whether you're going to continue to operate as a landlord, and B, whether you're going to build new rental housing. So, you know, when you're, if you're looking at uh, building new rental housing here, purpose-built rental uh, specifically, you're looking at the legislative framework, you're looking at the, the cost to acquire land and to, and to build, and the, how long it takes to get a permit, which is, you know, so all these factors uh, 
when you're doing your pro forma to figure out whether or not you can afford to do this or whether you can get the money from the pension fund to, to build it are uh, all come into the equation. So we have, you know, I mean, we have seen some seeing, we are seeing rental being built, but, you know, we, in talking to the development community, it's, it's increasingly challenging and, and uh, you know, they are looking at other jurisdictions, unfortunately, and a lot of that is driven by some of the concerns in terms of uh, from a legislative framework um, and, and the issues around getting approvals within cities and municipalities, uh, probably more so than insurance. But, you know, it's, it's everything adds up and, and you have to make a business decision. This, this issue is really, I think, more specific to existing landlords. I mean, these are the guys who, you know, have existing tenants. They're sub- subject to uh, the maximum allowable increase and their, their costs are going up exponentially. And uh, so, you know, this is, this is when it becomes a greater challenge to say, well, you know, how do I continue to operate? And particularly, you know, if you're, you're a smaller landlord, it's, uh, you know, you have less uh, financial capacity to absorb these sorts of, uh, of situations. So it's, uh, you know, it's not good for us as landlords. And obviously, while renters are l- largely protected with, uh, with the rent controls, you know, uh, in terms of the broader sort of rental universe, uh, you know, we, we need to be concerned about this. And, and we feel that, you know, uh, policymakers need to be uh, more sensitive to the challenges that our sector is facing um, you know, landlords don't get a lot of sympathy, but you know, we provide, uh, you know, uh, 500,000 plus units of housing in the province, 30% of BC households. Like, I mean, we need to be uh, viable. Uh, otherwise, you know, it, uh, the, the implications are pretty significant. Oh, absolutely. And you kind of touched on this, uh, but do you think, is it is it going out too far to say that it will lead or it could lead to landlords not doing repairs or not doing as much upkeep? I mean, on the one hand, you think you might want to do that more to make sure yeah. you don't have a claim and things are, are good. But on the other hand, if you don't have the money to do it. Well, I, I, the, you know, you're going to take care. You're going to ensure that there's no floods, et cetera. Then that, that, that's basic maintenance and risk mitigation. But what I'm saying is, you know, uh, we we would like to see additional investment in energy efficiency and and uh, you know maybe replace that uh, those windows and building envelope and those sorts of investments and and a, and a new boiler. I mean, those are things that. Uh, you, know, you know, are not going to uh, necessarily uh, result in uh, in higher uh, higher incidence of insurance claims, but you know those are huge capital investments. If you're in a position where you know your overall operating costs are increasing exponentially, those those sorts of decisions, those sorts sorts of investments are going to you know be deferred or fall by the wayside. But no, you're absolutely right. There's no it would make no sense to. To, to not uh, ensure that the, you know the, the, the core maintenance and uh, you know of, of the plumbing and electrical etc to mitigate uh, any additional uh, uh, you know uh, events or claims is critically important those those will need to happen but it's the it's the other investments I'm, I'm talking about all right so interesting uh, another uh, part of this story which continues on David Hutniak, thank you so much uh, for your time appreciate it Yeah, thanks again for reaching out. Take care. All right. David Hutniak is the CEO of Landlord BC.